Marie, hosted the Building Abundance Success Series. Our spotlight is on the five economies that govern the world. Private, public, political, foreign, and governing economies. My guest is Rick Raddatz. He is the CEO of not only Ziosoft, he is now the CEO of a great program, and it's called Political Harmony at politicalharmony.org. He's been talking about political theories on how not only the left, the right, and the center can come together. We are in 2020 now, and we need to work together. There needs to be more harmony in how we move forward. Rick has talked to the United Nations and governing uh, leaders all over the world about this political harmony and pentonomics and about the five economies and how we can all work together for the common good. Rick started his career at Microsoft. He is the CEO of Ziosoft and now this wonderful political theory that we're going to talk about in this great interview coming up right now. I'd like to thank you and welcome back to the show. And um, it's been a greatly interesting 2020. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I just want to refresh our audience's um, memory. You were talking about pentonomics for several of our episodes. And now you have your new organization, which is? It's called the Political Harmony Movement. Amen. Uh, So that's at Mm politicalharmony.org. And the whole idea is that if we're ever going to come together right, left, and center and achieve some degree of political harmony, it's going to be through education, insight, uh, enlightenment, you know, those kinds of things. That's what we need to come together on. And then pentonomics is a big part of that. Amen. I was looking at um, some of the components that, uh, you know, the social justice, sustainability, prosperity, political um, maturity, and the international harmony. But with the the climate of this year, the, mm-hmm. the thermostat being turned up so high on a lot of negative levels, um, you're talking about harmony. Explain how your system might be able to quell and bring people together. Sure. The, the first insight is that there are some things that we have a choice about in life, and it's okay to be divided on those things. And then there are other things that we don't have a choice about. And it's not healthy to be divided on those things. So, for example, if we're divided on gun control, well, that makes sense. It's a very complex issue. There's lots of ins and outs, as they say. What is the right answer? Um, That's going to be very hard to come together on. But when it comes to something as simple as 2 plus 2 equals 4, Well, there is no political division on that. We all agree that 2 plus 2 is 4. I hope we do. Well, it turns out there are a lot of things like 2 plus 2 equals 4 that we can come together on. And there's more of those things than we might realize, and they're more powerful or impactful than we might guess, too. And the best example, I think, is the laws of economics. It turns out, and we can prove this, we don't have a choice about the laws of economics. (laughs) The laws of economics are what they are because logic demands it. Now, if we can come together on the laws of economics, right, left, and center, that's progress. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, 
uh, it might be one of the most difficult conversations we have, but that's how we can make progress. Coming together on the things we don't have a choice about, like the laws of economics, and if we can come together on those laws and how they apply to all aspects of society, then we can have healthier discussions about everything else. We just had an election where the margins were so razor thin in some areas. And we have a nation more divided than anything, a um, situation that, uh, well, is interesting. And plus, we're in the middle of a pandemic that needs to be controlled. (laughs) I mean, it's been just an unpredictable year. What do you think um, and where do we start to put your plan into action? Well, the easiest way, I think, is just to come to the website, um, politicalharmony.org, and educate yourself. All of us have a responsibility to educate ourselves. And so uh, this is new content, new information, 14 years in development. Hundreds of PhDs were involved. It's a big project. And it's something new, finally. Uh, We've all heard what the political left believes. We've all heard what the political right believes. And we've all heard the political center call for compromise or civility maturity. But it's at politicalharmony.org where we can put all that together and focus on things like the laws of economics that we can truly make progress on. And... Um, and so um, if you go to politicalharmony.org and you sign up for free and you go in the members area, that's where you'll see a free copy of the book. You'll see the audio book for free. You'll see a series of, of free videos. And this is the content that um, really we all need to come together on. Uh, that's why it's politicalharmony.org. If we can come together on this content, um then we can come together on quite a bit, and that's how we can start having more mature discussions. Things going on right now where we have media saying and, and polarizing. We've got, mm-hmm. um, you know, the logic side that you talk about, you know, things that are staring us right in the face, what we kind of refuse to acknowledge. Um, then we've got the socialist part of things, and then we've got the criminal justice, you know, people. and um, It's... Uh, it's, it's interesting. What are well, your personal thoughts on what has happened this year? And are you surprised that it, everything sort of exploded? <laughs> well, I'm not surprised by anything anymore when, <laughs> when it comes to politics. Um, uh, and in fact, I expect, you know, these kinds of surprising things. Um, uh, but but here, here's the good news. The good news is that in the long term, the good side wins, okay? And we know this because life keeps getting better by anyone's estimation, right, left or center. Somehow, even though it always feels like it's getting worse, it's actually, on average, over time, life is getting better. Right. I mean, which, which decade of dentistry do you want to suffer through, <laughs> <laughs> you probably want the most modern dentist. That's right. <laughs> um, well, and that's just one example. Well, um, it might seem like politically is getting worse. Well, not in the long term. We have to have these battles. We're having the right argument, it turns out. 
um, there are some people on the political right saying that capitalism does everything. There are some people on the political left saying, no, we need government to do quite a bit. And people in the center saying it needs to be some kind of mix, but we don't know exactly what mix. Well, pentonomics comes along and says, here's a new way of thinking about it. And this way of thinking about it is a way of thinking about it that nobody has a choice about. This is just the truth, finally. <laughs> and we can prove it. That's why we, we, we can believe it, because it's, 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 a, it's a proof. It's not just an opinion. And the reason it's called pentonomics is because we're taking the laws of economics and applying it to all five um, areas of society. We're applying the laws of economics to the private economy, to the public economy, the political economy, the foreign affairs economy, and the governing economy. And that's everything. And we can prove it's everything. And so it's only after we understand the whole puzzle that we can finally sit back and relax a little bit and say, oh, this is why the left believes that goofy thing. This is why the right believes that other goofy thing. And this is what they're missing, and this is how we can come together. We, we have Individuals have to put the puzzle together. Um, someone has to be first. And after enough people put the puzzle together, then society can put the puzzle together. So this is a movement that has to begin with individuals learning something. And that's not the easiest kind of movement to do. It's much easier to have a movement that doesn't challenge people. It's much easier to have a movement that says, hey, you already know the truth. The right is evil. Or, hey, you already know the truth. The left is, um, is, um, is e economically ignorant. Um, but that's only part of the story. There's, there's more to the story than those simple little uh, claims. Um, the truth, I argue, is this pentonomic vision, this five economy vision of society. And, and by putting all five economies to work, we are going to be improving every aspect of society, helping us all achieve all of our goals. And, um, but again, it starts with individuals learning the truth about society. That, that happens at, at politicalharmony.org. One of your um, steps in, you know, is you know, you're talking about uh, political maturity and also international harmony. Uh, we're becoming more and more and more uh, globally interdependent. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, have you approached people uh, internationally? Have you gone to the United Nations or have you? Because, I mean, grassroots societies and grassroots movements are really big right now. But have yeah, you been yeah. able to take it that far to the UN and to uh, Washington, D.C.? So, so yes, I, I have gone to uh, the UN, various uh, subcommittees within their um, um, bureaucracy. I've gone to the IMF, the International Monetary Fund. Um, I've spoken to people um, in, in Argentina, um, uh, in Europe, uh, a group of PhDs in Europe. And so um, I have been reaching out to these groups. And uh, now progress is, is going to be slow because right. this is a brand new idea, a brand new vision of government and society. People have to think about it. And um, uh, I've had moderate success, I would say, at every level. Um, I think the, the best success I've had so far is with um, a group of, of movements called the transpartisan movements. 
these are people who are trying to heal our political divide. And typically, they're trying to heal it in one of two ways. They're either trying to say, hey, let's have healthier discussions, uh, maybe using a facilitator to help us have healthier discussions. Or they're saying, hey, let's do um, kind of structural reform, typically around things like elections. Let's have, um, like, like Maine has a way of electing people now that says if no one wins a majority on the first ballot, um, you get to register when you vote. You get to vote for more than one person in kind of a second place, third place, fourth place kind of a thing. Um, and um, the idea here is that they, it's, it, it's, it's sometimes called an instant runoff election. So if your first choice doesn't doesn't get elected, uh, then we move to the, everyone's second choices, and and um, and we keep redoing the election until um, until there's a clear majority winner. So there are different proposals for how we might come up with a healthier set of incentives around elections. Um, now I'm proposing something different. I'm proposing that it doesn't matter how we elect people. What matters is what we the people believe. And we, the people, need to believe the truth, <laughs> that the laws of economics govern all aspects of society, and it can help us come together. So um, so uh, we haven't done anything yet, but we've had a lot of good discussions. In fact, I just had one this morning with these leaders of these uh, transpartisan movements. So I have been reaching out um, at the group level, but it's also important for me to reach out at the grassroots level, because like I said, each individual is on their own journey. Each individual needs to learn the truth for themselves and ask the right questions. That's what we're doing at the Political Harmony Movement, politicalharmony.org. And once we have um, enough individuals who get it, then we can start to show momentum. We can reach out to the press, do more of these kinds of interviews, and, and get the word out that way. And um, uh, the ultimate goal is is to have a healthy majority of people um, uh, believe in this five-economy model of society. They don't even have to understand it perfectly. They just have to believe in it. <laughs> and Now, that requires a certain level of understanding, but you don't have to become a philosopher. You just have to you know, watch some videos. So once we can get a healthy majority of people believing in the five-economy model, that's when politicians will be incentivized to believe in it. And that's when politicians will be incentivized to act on it. And when politicians are incentivized now finally in the right way, that's when things will start to move in the right direction. One of the interesting things, you, know, you talk about the five economies, you know, private, public, political, foreign, and governing. And we, right now, a lot of people are hurting economically. Um, how can pentonomics help all five of these? Because I know people are going to really gravitate and wonder now because of what we're going through as a country and a world? Well, a great question. Uh, the private economy is actually already pretty well structured. I mean, you know, it can always be improved. But we know that it's pretty well structured because we see constant improvement in products and services over time. Okay? And that's the sign of a healthy economy is constant improvement. Now, here is what we're not seeing constant improvement in. We're not seeing constant improvement in government spending. 
Okay, maybe over generations, <laughs> over a long period of time, maybe, but I'm not even sure about that. Government spending is pretty static. Um, you know, several generations ago, people made promises through the government spending, um, you know, system uh, called entitlement promises, right? Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, these programs are like 80 years old. Um, and these promises have changed and grown over time, but they, they, you know, they're, they're kind of in the same ballpark. Well, here's the thing. When a society locks in promises like that, then that money is locked up. That money can't be spent better. Um, oops, sorry about that. I had a phone call there. Uh, I'll turn off my, <laughs> my cell phone. So we'll, we'll edit that out too. So when a when a I'll start again. So when a society makes promises like that, these long-term entitlement promises, well, those promises do help people, but they also prevent us from helping people better and better and better. So what Pentonomics says is instead of making these giant multi-generational promises, we should be prioritizing. If we took the same money and we prioritized it, if we ranked it from top to bottom so that all of these ideas for helping people had to compete with each other, then over time, those ideas would improve. Okay, I'm not saying it'll be easy. <laughs> it might be one of the most difficult negotiations we go through, but that's the negotiation that we need. We need this constant renegotiation of priorities so that we're spending this money ever better. So we're doing a better and better job finding out who needs help and how best to help them. And so let's say some future generation encounters a new pandemic or a new economic crisis or whatever. Well, different people are going to need help. How can we guess today who needs help in two generations? We can't guess. Right. And we shouldn't guess. What we should do to help the future is we should stop making promises and start doing prioritizing. If we can do that, then in, by the time we get to the future in two generations or more, think of how much better government spending would be after generations of prioritizing. And think of how much better the political divide will be um, when people can see that prioritizing helps people. <laughs> if we can truly solve social justice in this way, then our political divide will be less intense. And then when a pandemic happens or something happens, we'll be more mature in our discussions about it. And not that we'll ever be perfectly mature, but we'll be more mature. And then we'll be able to handle it better. Um, now, I actually think that we've handled the pandemic pretty well. Okay, not perfectly, but, you know, no one handles a pandemic perfectly, okay? New Zealand seems to have done the best, but they're a small country, just, you know, millions of people, not hundreds of millions of people, and they're an island nation, not a lot of travel in and out. They can really control it and watch over it, and, um, you know, and they were already, already more politically mature. Way back in the 80s, um, they re, um, they kind of evaluated every aspect of their government and reprioritized everything. 
And, and so they've already gone through a lot of the reforms that pentanomics is suggesting. They didn't think of it as pentanomics. They didn't know about it. But they, they're already a little bit healthier in terms of being fiscally conservative and socially progressive. And that's what pentanomics is. So New Zealand politically was more mature already. They, they had a little bit easier time of it because, of, because they are an island nation and they can control their, their, their people coming in and out a little bit easier, partly because of the lower numbers of travel. And, um, and so they did it right. Uh, the U.S. didn't do it as well, um, but we, di- we didn't do it as bad as some nations, and we did it um, <laughs> worse than other nations. Uh, but, but my point is, um, you know, if, you've, if you want to find mistakes, you're going to find mistakes. But um, uh, the good news now is that even though more and more people are getting coronavirus, fewer and fewer people are dying from coronavirus. And so what's interesting about the news is that the news keeps hyping up the number of cases, and they're not telling you much about the number of deaths. Well, because the number of deaths is actually really good news. The number of deaths is going down, even as the number of cases is going up. And that's because the virus is mutating in, the, in, a, in a good way, luckily. That's not our cause, but we're, we're, we're lucky for that. Um, but also, treatments are getting better and better. So um, we're actually, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, okay? Um, you know, if, if you take a holistic look at it. Now, we're recording this in you know, early November of, of 2020. And so if someone's listening to this podcast uh, in two months or six months or a year from now, um, you know, they can judge my prediction um, uh, and find uh, either truth or falsehood in my prediction. But it's only a prediction. <laughs> um, uh, my prediction right now here in November 2020 is that um, we, are, we have turned a corner. Uh, the number of cases will keep going up for a while. The number of deaths might go up again just because of the sheer volume. But as a percentage, they'll be going down. And then my prediction is we'll hit a point where we truly do start trending away from this being a big problem. And we finally slowly recover. And it'll kind of fade away. I don't think there'll be a, a one-time, aha, wow, it's gone kind of a surprise. That that, that would be you know, uh, hard to believe. But um, my prediction is that we will experience another peak. It'll be a, a lower peak in terms of deaths, and then it will start to fade away. And finally, we'll be done with this. Um, and we've seen that 100 years ago in, in 1918, uh, 1919, uh, when uh, the Spanish flu was, was doing its thing. Um, uh, my prediction is... Uh, with all the good things and bad things we've done, it will eventually fade away. And finally we can, we can focus on the next biggest problem, whatever that is. Yes. And you know, whatever that happens to be when after that and or along with that, we've got the economy and um, you know, jobs fade away. Businesses fade away, but they can come back. What do you think the next big industry to um, help us move forward in a better way will be well the funny thing about modern economies is that they are well it's not funny it's it's the interesting thing the interesting thing the important thing about modern economies is that they are so diversified if you think about an immature economy 
you might think about a developing nation where they are dependent on um, a certain you know type of factory that is popular in that country or a certain type of agriculture or a certain type of mining or oil production. Um, you see, uh, uh, an immature economy is too dependent on one thing. And if that one thing goes sideways, good luck. Well, most modern economies are so diversified um, that they're actually pretty um, able to withstand this kind of economic attack and recover. In the last quarter, we saw the highest percentage of economic growth ever recorded in modern times. Okay, Here in the U.S., it was 33% growth on an annualized basis. Now, why is that? I mean, I mean, like we can understand why the economy suffered, but how did it recover? Well, it recovered in part because of how diversified the economy is and in part because the attack was from outside. We had the healthiest economy ever, um, uh, uh, thanks to a lot of uh, things that Donald Trump did right um, uh, early in his presidency, and and then the uh, coronavirus attacked, and then we had one of the worst economies in recorded memory, um, uh, even including the 2008 uh, dilemma, and 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 now we're starting to come back. Now we still have far to go. People are still hurting. Um, we need to prioritize them. We need to help them. Uh, and, and, and we can help them both through privately funded charity, but also through public spending. And, um, and um, people are going to have to depend on friends and family like never before. And we see that more people are living at home with their parents than um, since the Great Depression. And that's not, you can look at that as a bad thing. You can also look at it as, thank goodness, we have families still <laughs> where we can help yes. each other, you yes. know. Um, and, and so we don't want to be at this point where we are dependent on family, but thank goodness we have families. And that's how we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this together. And, um, again, if we had a prioritized social spending process rather than a big promised uh, process and entitlement promise, then we would be even more able to handle this kind of situation. But we're actually handling it pretty well. What we decided to do was to go massively more into debt. Okay. Mm-hmm. We went massively more into debt, spending trillions of extra dollars. Now, is that a good idea or a bad idea? Well, it's the best idea we could come up with. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, now, the future is going to have to pay for that one way or another. There's, there is no free lunch in, in that aspect. Um, the the future is going to have to pay for it. Uh, they either pay for it through inflation or they pay for it through higher taxes or they pay for, for it by having a, a slower growing economy. Uh, and more unemployment. I mean, there's lots of ways a society can pay for it. And it may not be clear that we're paying for it um, uh, directly because there's so many indirect ways of suffering and paying for it. But make no mistake, our extra spending this year is an economic burden that will be paid for one way or another in the future. And so we're, we're putting the debt onto the future. Now, 
but we're also doing it in part to protect the future. You see, if we let our economy crash today, not only do people suffer today, but people suffer in the future too. So the extra spending we're doing, I think, actually is justified. We're not just living better today at the expense of the future. We're also, in a, in, in a longer-term sense, protecting the future. And so it is, at least to some degree, justified. It's the same kind of justification you use to justify spending uh, and borrowing money in time of war. You're protecting people at the moment. You're also protecting future generations. Um, so it's appropriate to go into debt at those times. I'll tell you when it's not appropriate to go into debt. It's not appropriate to go into debt if you're not fighting a war and not suffering through a pandemic. <laughs> okay. Mm, yeah. Um, I, you know, if, if it's normal times and you're spending and you're borrowing money, that's a problem. That's unethical. That's stealing from the future so that we, the living, can live better today. Okay. Um, and and that's a sign that that we aren't politically mature. It's a sign that the, we, the people, don't understand what social justice really is. It's a sign that we, the people, haven't come together about the laws of economics. And so that's what we need to do. We need to come together on the laws of economics and how they apply so that we can start to make progress in all of these ways. My one last question. Your plan is getting people to, from the grassroots, join Okay, we have yep. to join and mobilize and say we start doing this this month, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then start implementing the plan. How far into the future do you see the pentonomic movement um, being able to really make an impact? Well, we're only one viral video away from being a worldwide or, you know, a, a widely known movement. Right. Okay. We've all seen in the last 10 years or so certain videos that have gone viral that, you know, suddenly, like, essentially everyone is aware of it. Um, think of the ice bucket challenge, right? We, we all remember the ice bucket challenge. Right. We, may not, we may forget what the ice bucket challenge was all about. It was actually for a certain charity. But, um, uh, you know, so th- it is possible for a viral video to suddenly – take over the world, <laughs> capture the world's attention, and suddenly the world knows something they didn't know a moment ago. Now, what's it going to take for this breakthrough to go viral? Well, I think it's going to take a, a, a pretty healthy number of people to have a clue first. And then suddenly, something happens. Uh, it could be that Taylor Swift tweets about it. <laughs> it could be right. That, right. that Rihanna tweets about it. Um, maybe they get into an argument about it. Uh, one's for it, one's against it. I don't know. Um, but, you know, something's going to happen where it may sound a little bit weird, but it, it's going to be something like that where, um, you know, a rock star or a politician or someone famous like a Tony Robbins, somebody with some, some, somebody with a megaphone says something that says, look, everyone, you need to pay attention to politicalharmony.org. And that's the solution to our problems. Well, 
as soon as one famous person does that, boom, we're on the map. I'm being interviewed and, and my followers are being interviewed uh, at all levels of, of journalism and, and media. And, and suddenly you can't get away from it. Everyone's talking about it. Um, some people like it. Some people hate it. There's a big discussion about it. But here's the thing. When we start having a discussion about the laws of economics and how they apply to all aspects of society, the pentonomic model, <laughs> that's going to be a good discussion. That's the discussion we should be having. That's a much better discussion than we've, we've been having recently. Um, and so, so how, here's the thing. I can't predict when that will happen, but I can predict that it will happen. Um, I'm hoping that it can happen within a couple of years. Amen. Um, and one reason I believe that is because I, um, I have a history as a business owner and, a, and a, as, an, as an entrepreneur. And so I, I know a few things about marketing. And um, so as soon as I launch my next product, um, I, I expect to have the cash flow I need to really fund this movement and start advertising. Mm-hmm. And it's the advertising that will bring a steady stream of new members. And that steady stream of new members is what will give us critical mass. And then we're ready to, to have Taylor Swift or someone else tweet about us. Amen. Now, you mentioned <laughs> nine ways that people could get involved. Share those ways. And, um, you know, so people can get in their mind, you know, they tweet, do they, you know, you mentioned Taylor Swift, but everyday people can get involved in this too. Yeah, a- absolutely. And um, let me pull up my nine ways here because um, I don't have all nine ways memorized. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the nine ways to be involved, uh, and you don't have to do all nine ways. These are just nine different ways that a person can be involved. Uh, the first way is to, um, is to learn and share and discuss everything that you're learning. Okay? Right. So learn, share, and discuss is the first way you can get involved. You can do that at politicalharmony.org. Uh, the next way you can get involved is after you learn a little bit, you can give a video testimonial. Because if I'm the only one talking about this, well... I'm going to have a certain amount of impact, but if other people are talking about it, if other people are saying, hey, pay attention to this, that actually has more power. So a very powerful way is for you to learn a little bit, and then when you're ready, give a video testimonial or just a text testimonial or just share it on on Facebook and so on. Um, Third way is to start or run a local chapter. We're setting up local chapters all over the country, all over the world, and this is a place for people to meet face-to-face. Now, this is going to be after coronavirus. Um, but uh, after coronavirus fades away, let's do these local chapters so that we can it really kind of have this be a part of our lives in a fun way. It's fun to meet other people who are working on the same kind of thing. Um, next, um, we have something called the Ambassador Program. Uh, so you can be an ambassador. Now, what that is, is we're looking for someone from the political right. We're looking for someone from the political left. We're looking for someone who is older. We're looking for someone who is younger. We're looking for someone who is religious, uh, any number of religions. We're looking for someone who is not religious. We're looking for someone who is um, a particular type of libertarian, and there's many different types. A particular, a particular type of progressive, there's many different types. And so um, we're looking for people from all these different groups. And so then you can be an ambassador to that group. 
And as an ambassador, we're going to give you a special training. You'll have access to me. Um, I'll answer your questions um, so that you can be well prepared when you go up and speak. We'll help find you gigs, uh, speaking gigs, and, and so on. Uh, next, you could be a project manager. We have lots of internal projects in terms of reaching out to people, training people, fostering discussions. Um, number six, you can be a project helper. Maybe you don't want to be the head of a project. You just want to you know, volunteer and help a project. We can do that, too. Next, um, we have a leadership team at the, at the national level here. You can work directly with me. We meet every week and uh, strategize about how to improve every aspect of this movement. And um, uh, number eight, second to last, you can be an advisor. We're putting together an advisory board. So we need a legal expert. We need an expert on grassroots uh, movements. We need an expert on fundraising and so on. We need all the experts to come together and advise us. And um, uh, we meet once a month uh, as an advisory board. And then the last way is to donate. Uh, this is a 501c3 uh, nonprofit charity. And like any nonprofit movement, we need donations to help um, uh, keep everything flowing. Now, I'm going to be donating all of my profits from my next product to this movement. So I'm doing my, <laughs> my share. Uh, we need uh, everyone to, to help out if they can uh, and donate. And I expect that to happen after people learn more about it. So the first step there would be to go to politicalharmony.org and learn all about the movement and then decide if you agree this is the, the way to help make the world a better place and then donate. Amen.